I think it's really important that people go into looking at cloud adoption with their eyes wide open and recognize that no platform is going to be 100% and, and that no platform is a panacea. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello and welcome to Status Go. I'm Alicia Gaba, the SVP of Marketing here at InterVision, and I have with me today Kevin Barker, who's a technical director at InterVision also, and he's based in Southern California. Thanks for joining me today, Kevin. Oh, thank you, Alicia. It's my pleasure to be here. Our plan today is to talk about why organizations are choosing one cloud or another, really focusing primarily on AWS, Azure, and GCP. But before we dive in, Kevin, why don't you share a little bit about your background? Sure. Well, it, it, it pains me to say this, but I've actually been in the technology industry for over 40 years. Uh, started out a long time ago, back in the uh, day, the nascent days of uh, mini computers as a quality assurance tester, then got into coding and programming and eventually management and forgot all my technical st- skills and uh, then relearned them again on the way as I moved over to the uh, value-added reseller community. And now I'm very happy to be here with InterVision Systems. I run our uh, professional services practice from a pre-sales perspective here in the Southern California area. And one of the things that I do on a pretty regular basis is have discussions with customers about cloud and what does it mean and how do we get there and all that other stuff that we're going to delve into a little bit today. Great. So let's start from the top. Let's talk about the landscape of the clouds that exist out there today. So share your perspective on that, specifically how has that landscape changed um, and what's going on today? Sure. If we, if we look at the landscape today and, and we compare it to where we were uh, three, four years ago, we've seen a massive winnowing out of a lot of players. And in fact, if you uh, have access to the latest Gartner Infamous Magic Quadrant, they really only classify six players in the cloud space. So they've got three in the leader quadrant, which are obviously Amazon Web Services way up there in the upper right, and then Microsoft and Google. And then they put Alibaba from China, uh, Oracle, and IBM in the niche players. And I think that's a pretty fair visit a view of the uh, the landscape today uh, amazon obviously created the space owned it no one else really was competitive for a while and then uh, you saw everybody and his cousin jumping in with cloud offerings uh, microsoft being one of the most aggressive and then google waking up and going oh we need to compete here and if we look at the numbers we still see amazon as a pretty significant leader uh, last year they had about 50% of the overall cloud market, but Azure, Microsoft solution, had come on really strong and and had a little over 40%. Uh, Google was a, a, a massively distant third at around 4%, and then all the rest was spread out amongst the, the niche players. But over the last year, what's been the most interesting thing is to see how Google has just exploded. When they get behind something, sometimes they fail, but most of the time they win, and they usually win big. And, and we see that because... Uh, 
the cloud market itself overall is continuing to grow aggressively, but Google's share has gone from about 4% last year to 24%, and that is in a a 12-month period. And so their growth rate is, depending on how you measure it, somewhere between 80 and 220%. That's nothing to snuff at, right? (laughs) What What do you feel like that's most attributed to? I, there's to me there's two pieces to it first google had come forward with a a differentiated set of offerings so every single vendor obviously has strengths and weaknesses and google's biggest strength has really been their play in two areas one is in the the container space i mean google really developed the kubernetes standard that AWS and Azure copied. And so containerization, DevOps expertise, Google is extremely strong there. Uh, They're also very good at uh, scaling and load balancing. And most importantly, their analytics and their their emphasis on deep learning, AI, machine uh, learning, these are all real strengths for Google as a company. And they've brought those capabilities forward into the cloud space. And it, it really shows with customer adoption. And there's one other thing, which is they're cheap. I mean, they will typically discount 50, 60%. And and actually, a third component is they're aggressive. We have one of our larger enterprise customers here in Southern California underwent a very extensive analysis of the three cloud platforms. And they're an enterprise customer. And you know, frankly, that's not where Google's strength is. But they chose Google in large part because of the aggressiveness of the team and their willingness to work with them to put together a solution that really mapped to their business requirements, whereas Amazon kind of treated them like another customer. And what are you seeing in terms of the use cases? Are there differences um, in terms of the use cases that are more typical for one cloud or another? Uh, yes, there are. And and I think that that's a really important thing for customers to take a look at is to say, what is it we're trying to do with the cloud from a business perspective? What is the nature and the beast of our applications? What is our infrastructure like? And where are we in the what I'll call the cloud development life cycle. So looking at where does Microsoft play well, for example, they're really, really large uh, in the Midwest and in the mid-tier enterprise, and they're really making uh, tremendous gains with customers that have embraced the Microsoft solution set. So if you are a big MS SQL player or you do a lot of SharePoint or Office 365 uh, is a cornerstone to your environment and your applications are built on those platforms, then then Microsoft is a very obvious and really intelligent solution. Again, Google, if you're looking for uh, heavy emphasis in machine learning or analytics, uh, or, or massive number crunching, even though that is an area where Amazon does well. But when you factor in the Google price point, uh, Google's a, a great solution. Uh, on the other hand, if you if you want to go and you've just got a whole bunch of business apps and scalability and the ability to ratchet up and ratchet down very quickly uh, is important to you, Amazon is a very good choice. So I think you have to sit down, map out what your what your key business requirements are, and then use the internet, use companies like us or people like me and and map those requirements to each one of the cloud vendors to pick the one or two that work best for you. And I will also say, don't forget the niche players because they're out there and they serve purposes. 
yeah, let's talk about some of those niche players. What are you seeing in terms of, I'll call it the exception to the norm, which is typically an AWS Azure or GCP? Sure. When you look at the niche players today, you really only have three. You have uh, you have IBM, you have uh, Oracle, and you have Alibaba out of China. You, you can read some reports and they'll talk about a couple other Chinese entities like Huawei, uh, but or Tencent, uh, who is a, a big in the gaming space. But unless you have something that really maps to them or you want the Chinese to get to your data, they're probably not good choices. But uh, IBM, Oracle, and Alibaba all do have value and could really fit your business requirements. So if you have a customer and they're a really large Oracle shop and their entire infra is built on Oracle databases, then frankly, Oracle's a fantastic choice because they're going to work with you, give you the ability to pick up that infrastructure and just using the using the term lift and shift, move it right into the cloud with almost uh, a seamless transition. And for a lot of companies, that's one of the biggest challenges is how do you get in there? Well, Oracle's going to make it really easy if you're if you're on that platform. You know, whereas someone like an IBM, uh, again, if you fit into, you're an existing, what Gartner would call a mode one classic data center type customer and you've got a big IBM presence in your data center, uh, IBM is a very good fit. And especially if you are more of a global IBM customer because they've got offices and support teams and localization efforts uh, done everywhere. So that's a good reason to take a look at the IBM platform. And then Alibaba, a really big player in China. I, I was looking the other day and I think they have something like 40% of the cloud business in, in mainland China. So if I'm a company and I'm looking to expand into China or I'm in China with a classic infrastructure and I want to move it into the cloud and, and language localization is important to me, Alibaba makes a lot of sense. They, they have very little presence in the U.S. They've got one or two cloud data centers and that's about it. But if I need to get into China, uh, that's a good good company to look at. So you're clearly very well versed in in the clouds. Uh, what's your take on private cloud? Oh, private cloud. Yes, we all love private cloud. Not. Um, that's a really, really fun question to tackle. So I was thinking about it the other day because I have some friends that work for some really classic legacy hardware vendors. And when you know, when I look at the private cloud, I, who is the biggest champion of the private cloud? Frankly, it's those legacy hardware vendors, right? Because they're looking and seeing the business model transform, and they're desperately grappling for for uh, relevancy and private cloud is is one way to achieve that. Uh, having said it, is there a reason to have private cloud? Yeah, there is. And, and so you've got to look at, at what some of your business requirements are. I mean, when you, when you move to public cloud, you get all these things that are you know, important, right? So scalability, elastic uh, stretching of my servers and compute as I need them, uh, supposedly lower cost, so that's really not necessarily correct. 
but when you when you really sit down again, looking at your business requirements, maybe you have uh, data sovereignty is an issue, right? You've got a requirement to keep data in country, and a, a public cloud vendor may not map well to that. Or perhaps you have an application that is a classic dinosaur application, you know, kind of a mainframe type thing that, that's going to run forever and uses quite a bit of compute and storage. When you sit down and you you cost that out, it probably would make a lot of sense to just keep it in your existing data center and, and not look at, at moving it. Two other things I think are important to keep in mind about private cloud also is IoT and what we call edge computing. So you've, you've got IoT proliferating everywhere. And, and a real world example is I was chatting with some compadres of mine who are work work for the Colorado Department of Transportation. And they're a uh, they're investing incredibly heavily into a smart highway project. And so they're equipping all of their, the, on this one test section of highway, they have a massive amounts of sensor data that is being collected. And so they're looking for uh, the, the cheapest and most effective way to use and analyze that data and shoving it all up into an Amazon instance in the Pacific Northwest is not effective. So that's where localized public clouds or edge computing devices can become important. And, and I think you, you even see the public cloud providers acknowledging that you've got uh, Microsoft with their Azure stack and you've got uh, AWS with their uh, outpost, I think it's called, uh, where this is, hey, we're going to extend the public cloud into your private cloud, but you still use Amazon or Microsoft as your back end, as it were. Yeah, that's a really interesting use case. And I think it certainly lends itself well to what you're describing there. And I think, you know, you talk about the private cloud in terms of sometimes there's really just situations where it doesn't make sense for your business to go into a quote unquote public cloud and coming from a organization that provided hosted services, both on the hosting and DR side, which was ultimately acquired by InterVision. We saw that, right? Um, law firms, healthcare, other organizations that maybe wanted to get out of the data center business, but weren't yet ready to go into an AWS, Azure, or GCP, or their workload just really didn't lend itself to it. Yeah, or they had security privacy requirements yes. that they, they just don't want to expose that data. And, and I think that's really important. Um, I, I would also add a couple other, I don't want to say edge cases, but if you're dealing with low latency applications, right? So manufacturing shop floor, that type of thing, mm -hmm. you, you definitely want to take, if you can, and pick up your application and make it a cloud-based application, which has nothing to do with locality, but everything to do with your development methodology and life cycle. And, but keep it in your internal private cloud so that you can obviously keep your shop floor going and not have to be dependent on a data center 300 miles away that really goes down. But when it does, it puts you out of business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you, you mentioned hardware providers. One of the things that I've been um, impressed with lately is the companies like your Palo Alto Networks, NetApp, F5, some of the hardware vendors that are really bringing some interesting solutions to the table around cloud and, um, and beginning to see that transition 
go well. So would just love your take on what you're seeing there um, in terms of things that are really compelling and um, people should be thinking about as they're maybe working towards taking what was maybe a data center and creating that next step into the cloud. I think it's really important that people go into looking at cloud adoption with their eyes wide open and recognize that no platform is going to be 100% and and that no platform is a panacea. And so Amazon will tell you that, but I, I don't think people necessarily hear it. And so when you, when you look at moving to the cloud, you've got to think about the fact you've got the exact same set of overall security requirements, data confidentiality, backup requirements, DR requirements, in the cloud as you do in your data center, you just address them in different ways. So things like a, a Palo Alto firewall are just as critical in the cloud as they are in, in the data center. You are going to use them differently, but you, you still need them. Or to think that just because you put something in, in AWS or Azure or GCP, give everybody equal time there, uh, you have this magic DR solution because it's in the cloud. I mean, that's an absolute fallacy. You as a business have got to sit down and make sure your data is protected and you have a real solid backup strategy using tools from the cloud vendor, but then also tools from, from classic providers like Veeam or Azerto, and then map that to an actual DR as a service implementation, which, you know, a little shameless plug here, but this is what companies like the one that you came from and we acquired help you do. And, and that is so important. You can't just shove it up there and think, oh, I'm safe and I'm protected and nobody's going to get to me because it's absolutely not true as we've seen by some uh, pretty uh, significant hacks that have occurred in the last six months. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So let's let's start to talk about, you've hit on, I think, you've and certainly hinted towards some of the things to be cognizant of in the evaluation process, but let's talk about how do you choose your cloud as an organization? Well, as I, as I alluded to a little bit earlier, I think the first thing you have to do is you have to sit down and number one, uh, understand your infrastructure and your business requirements. So you, you've got to look at what do you own today from a technology perspective, both the uh, the compute, the storage, the application, what is it, what platforms does it run on? How is it coded? Where are you in your, your life cycle? So Gartner went through and created this whole mode one, mode two, and you know, mode one companies were classic, uh, traditional, stovepipe oriented mode two or kind of these crazy born in the cloud types. And that actually is important because you've got to understand how are you going to make that cloud journey uh, and then what vendor is going to help you make it successfully. So are you going to just pick up your applications and move them into the cloud? Uh, and, and maybe you do that as a start, right? Just because you've got to get out of a data center or you're just tired of paying the, the fixed costs uh, to keep it where it's being kept. But you're not going to realize any advantages from a, a cost or development or business efficiency perspective if you do that. So that's number one. What What is it that we want to move? Why are we moving it? And what do we want to get out of it? And then what's the best way to make that happen? And only after you've done that, and you know, frankly, most companies 
don't have the internal staff resource-wise or even knowledge-wise to, to make that decision on their own. And they really need to turn to to uh, service providers that, that can help them do it. And then once you've, you've done that mapping, then you go and you take and you, you bring that up against the the cloud vendors and right so going back to our conversation we we have a, a customer here in la that has massive amounts of oracle databases and that data contains years of data surrounding uh, the particular segment of the healthcare industry that they're in and frankly oracle cloud makes a lot of sense for them so that's the second thing is to take your business requirements and then map it against the big, I'll say five vendors, because I kind of exclude Alibaba if you're a US-based company, and see which one fits and not just go, oh, we should be going to AWS because they're the biggest. I love your take on vendor lock-in. So what are your thoughts there? Um, Besides the fact that it's inevitable, so sit back and um, (laughs) accept it. Uh, it, I mean, vendor lock-in is a, this is something that, Unless you were, you know, outside of the IBM mainframe days when they were the only one in town, uh, once uh, the mini computer era showed up with the DAC and uh, some of the other players, uh, all of a sudden vendor lock-in was this evil thing and, and you had to avoid it mostly because that's what IBM did to you. And then along came the networking world and that's what Cisco did to you. The reality is you can't avoid vendor lock-in to a pretty significant degree. I mean, everybody was talking about hybrid cloud and there are Definitely people that do hybrid cloud. And, you know, frankly, I think you should in in one sense embrace multiple cloud vendors. But I don't know that you do it to avoid vendor lock-in. I think you do it to get the best of what those vendors have to offer. I mean, if you look at AWS, right, the, the 800 pound gorilla, you use AWS's tools or you use third-party tools and they prevent that lock-in supposedly. Uh, But when you think about the development cycle and getting code out the door to drive the business forward, which is the whole reason that IT exists, many, 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 many times those AWS or Azure or GCP tools are a heck of a lot better and easier to use. So I think you can't ignore vendor lock-in, but you can't put a stake in the ground and say, I'm never going to let myself get, get locked into whatever piece of technology that I'm evaluating because sometimes there's a lot of good reasons to, to get locked in. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. So just to put a bow on things, go into wrap up mode. Kevin, what's the one call to action you would give to our listeners as they're considering their own cloud journey? The number one thing is to be honest with yourselves as an organization. Take a mirror, look into it and ask the really difficult questions and try and answer them with candor. Do I have as an entity the skill sets to do this by myself? If I do, do I have the time and the uh, resources? If I don't, go out, examine the market, look for partners that have a solid proven track record and can help you make your cloud journey successful. Because all too often companies start down that road and they start a lift and shift or go down one of those development paths without the right resources, with without the right skill sets, and they fail. 
So if you come to the decision that you need a partner, make sure you do the research, make sure you find a partner that really understands cloud and, and, and especially understands migration and how you get there and how you do it in a successful manner. And you want to look at companies that have a significant and serious track record. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Wonderful conversations as usual. So thanks for your time today. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. I I love having these discussions and uh, hopefully anybody listening to this wants to continue these discussions. We're here to talk with you. Thank you everyone for listening and make sure to check out more episodes on intervision.com. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.